The following podcast contains explicit language on explicit topics, and as a trigger warning, all episodes contain triggering content. to Afterthought, an anonymous podcast for sexually active and dormant women. I'm your host, Epiphany Evans, and with me I have Shantae. Hey, Shantae. Hey, 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 Epiphany, what's up? (laughs) Thanks for having me. How are you feeling? A little nervous, but uh, I think once we get into it, it will start to, like, settle down and, you know, this cocktail will play a part, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, let's begin. So where does your sexual evolution begin? So I would say my sexual evolution began when I was around five or six years old. Um, I have an older brother who's about four years older than me. Whenever my parents weren't home, he would put on the box, which if you're as old as I am, the box is um, like where you find your adult channels and pay-per-view channels, but the parents always cut it off and somehow my brother learned how to turn it on. Um, And he would play um, porn on the television while I'm there. But I, you know, being as young as I am, I didn't know exactly what it was that I was watching. All I knew is like, okay, this is something we shouldn't be doing because mom and dad aren't here. You know, I could tell that these are people that are naked and, you know, they're just, you know, looks like they're having fun. So I wasn't like scared or anything like that. But it was like, okay, this is kind of weird. I'm doing something that's inappropriate with my brother, but it didn't feel weird at the same time until I was maybe like seven. And um, I remember telling him how how I was uncomfortable and um, I asked him to turn it off because I think at that point, um, either my parents had noticed that we were turning it on. I remember them asking me, like, what were you guys watching? and me lying about it like oh I don't know what this I don't know what it was that we're watching (laughs) like I was young so how can I really explain it anyway but I remember asking him to turn it off and he would like play with me and pretend to turn it off but it'd still be on (laughs) and I just remember like walking out the room like for the final time and being like okay I'm done anytime you do this like I'm done I can't watch this again so I think that's when I first discovered, like, this is this thing that adults do that looks like fun, but, you know, it's inappropriate. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think later on, you know, in school, I had this friend, this friend in elementary school who, whose father used to have, like, porno magazines, and she would show them to me, like, oh, look at this, have you ever seen this? And so it was kind of like an introduction to, like, oh, this stuff is kind of like titillating like it's kind of interesting to look at and you know um I guess the idea of sex was like something that now I fully understand even though I wasn't necessarily like I don't know again I wasn't like afraid of it or anything like that just something that adults do and then when my mom was like I I think I want to say it was like 11 or maybe like eight eight nine years old my mom she did the cutest thing she brought me to our computer and pulled up the paint app and started drawing the female body and the female organs 
And I just thought this was so like, I already, I already knew about the female body, but she like drew it out. She was like making it so empowering. Like this is a woman's body. We're so much better than men because we bring life into this world and just love yourself and your body because we can do things that they can't. Like she was just making it like we're goddesses and just be grateful. This is your body. But she didn't teach me about sex. And I remember thinking, like, is she going to go there or is she just going to, like, stop at this? And that's what she did. She just stopped at the uh, anatomy of the woman. And I guess she let school do the rest, you know. I mean, she's also a lot young, younger than most parents that whose kids I went to school with. So she was, like, just hip. And she still is, like, just this hip woman. And I just remember, like... And I was, I got my period when I was 11. And so I went to a predominantly white school. So a lot of my upbringing, I had started developing, you know, earlier than a lot of my classmates did. And, and I was the only black girl in most of my classes too. So you always have the sense of wanting to fit in with your classmates. So when you start to develop early, you start to like, really start to wonder like, what's wrong with you? Aside of being like othered because you're black too. And your hair is different and everything else. Like whenever you're developing as a kid, especially like I had big boobs. I wasn't like a, <laughs> I'm definitely not on the itty bitty titty committee. So although I've wished it sometimes, but you know, I've, I've learned to really just love my body for what it is. And that again has a lot to do with my mom and just like her, you know, even when I got my period, she was like, oh yes, your body got rid of all the baby stuff and now we can go and have some fun. Like she was, <laughs> she was great. What a cool I, mom. I, yeah. I really hope that I can be like that for my daughter because she always made me feel like, listen, people want to make fun of you because you, you know, act different, you talk different or whatever. Tell them fuck them. Like, she was just, she was real. Like, I love her for it. I want to say, like, my first my first kiss was when I was, like, I was 13, and my parents sent me to Maryland to visit some family members of mine. And it was for the summer, and I just remember the guy that I was with, he was, like, this pudgy guy, like, country dude, and I'm from the city, so... You know, it was kind of like a little bit of a charm there that I was attracted to. And uh, he was older as well, maybe like 15. So he was a more experienced than I was. And that was an attraction to me. So he like pulled me into his mom's bedroom and we started making out. And I just think I remember thinking like, oh, this is happening. Okay, this is cool. Like I was really happy about it. And I never saw him or spoke to him again after that. So my first experience hooking up with somebody and then not really caring if I talked to them later on. And I just remember because I was going to school in a white neighborhood, I was attracted to white guys, but I, it just was different because it seemed like even if they were attracted to me, they were like very low key about it. I just remember being attracted to white guys, but feeling like, you know, it's still, I was still more attracted to black guys and there was this one black guy in my class that everyone thought that we would be together because again we were like the only black people in our class so but it never it never happened between us like but that didn't that didn't deter me like I always felt like you know there was something about black 
guys that I was generally attracted to more than white guys. And my first boyfriend was a Dominican guy who was like straight from the Dominican Republic and didn't speak any English. So (laughs) that was like a serious barrier for us. (laughs) He was so fine. He's still fine too. And I guess like, I guess we'll get into like the nitty gritty of it though. Um, When I was 16, um, I dated this guy who was six years older than me, and he was my neighbor. He lived two doors down from me. Um, He's a Jamaican guy, and I just remember um, being really attracted to him because, first of all, he was older. (laughs) I think at some point, like, girls always think, oh, the older guys is, like, they're more mature, so they know how to handle us, but I think for me, it was more, like, all right, I'm tired of, like, seeing all these white guys. Like, I want to date somebody that's in my race and, like, that knows how to treat a black woman. Like, <laughs> so, um, I mean, he was attractive too to me, but I think he definitely took advantage of the fact that I was young and naive. We dated for maybe six months um, before before I was like, okay, I really want to take this to the next level, see, like, if he can, like, pop my cherry, you know? So, again, being this empowered young girl, like, oh, I know what I want, that kind of idea in my head. He took me out to eat, and which was normal for us. It was weird. I wonder if anybody else ever noticed, like, okay, this very young girl out with this older guy. Then we came back to my house, and we had this garden. We had this garden in my backyard. And I remember asking him, like, uh, do you want to have sex? Just, like, random. Like, <laughs> it was like, are you sure you want to have sex? And I'm like, yeah, you know. Um, I think it'll be good, you know. Um, so we went to the backyard, and, you know, it was romantic. He took his time. He was very, like, uh accommodating we obviously use protection and I just remember him asking me like in the middle he's like are you a virgin (laughs) I was like "Uh, no I'm not a virgin of course I lied (laughs) what is that about like not wanting to be a virgin but also wanting to be a virgin at the same time it's weird it's like I know it's pure it's probably like a turnoff for guys to to be a virgin but also I don't want you to think I'm inexperienced I lied about it but we we were dating for about a year before my mom one day asked me how old he really was. <laughs> she was like, how old is this guy? Because, of course, I lied about it. Like, my parents were going to allow me to see this 22-year-old and I'm 16. But um, I admitted it to her because I just respect my mom. Like, I really do respect her. She's always been there for me. So, And then she was like, well, I'm going to just tell you right now. Your dad's already doing his homework, so I suggest you break up with him today. Now, when she says something like that to me, it, it makes me feel like, okay, dad's either going to be calling the police because it's statutory rape, or, like, he's going to threaten the guy. Like, I don't want any of that. Um, but I was completely heartbroken about it, and I knew that I wasn't going to break up with him, but in my mind, I was like, I have to, like, convince my parents that I did because <laughs> he was my neighbor. So every day after school, you know, I, my parents would expect me to be doing these extracurricular activities and I'd just be going to his house, having sex there. And just like, I, I met his parents and his brother, like 
it was a full-blown relationship for for a good two years. And um, when I turned 18, it was right before, uh, maybe a couple months before graduating high school. And um, I finally told my parents, like, oh, yeah, me and this guy, we're still dating. But at that point, they were like, oh, well, we know him. They allowed it. And I remember at my graduation, he proposed to me. He proposed to me. And um, I rejected it. (laughs) And I rejected it because I knew I was going away to Florida for college. And I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to have a long distance relationship. Like in my mind, I, I was kind of just using him to get away from like all these white people around all the time. And then, you know, for fun and for sex, of course. But um, he was obviously a lot more emotionally attached than I was. So I just kind of like strung him along. And while I was in college, um, the first year, and this is kind of where things <laughs> Like, in hindsight, it's like, oh, girl, you should have known. The first semester, I was, like, oh, wild child. Like, wow, like, sexually liberated. Like, I I didn't care. Again, like, my being able to have sex and be detached is something I was very used to. So I'd be like, oh, I'm attracted to this guy. I'm going to fuck him today. Like, that kind of thing. And I was doing that, like, to a lot of different guys. I'm not going to lie. First semester, I smashed a lot, a lot. So things got really intense very quickly. All in the same semester, all of a sudden, I started getting phone calls from random people, okay? Like harassing me, calling me a slut, calling me a hoe. Uh, They started calling people in my dorms looking for me. They hacked into my email, sent pictures like naked pictures of me to my dad, which is like a whole nother, a whole nother thing. And even reached out to the dean of the school and tried to tell them about like my escapades and how I'm going around sleeping with people. So it came from, it went from like, uh, I think that this is just like me being liberated to like, oh shit, now like people on this campus really know about me. And, you know, they're basically you know, trying to call me out and harassing me. It's like nonstop calls. People were really afraid, afraid for me. And um, it happened for maybe like a couple months. And then I remember we had a hurricane um, evacuation. And during that time, someone called me. I was like, I know where you're, I know where you are right now. If you don't come, if you don't sleep with me, I'm going to kill you. Mind you, like I'm, far away from my my folks like I went all the way down south for school and my parents are from up north so I didn't really have anybody down there so all of this is going on I'm being harassed I'm being threatened so um I finally had to like do something about it but I didn't know what (laughs) to do so as circumstances would play out like my boyfriend ended up finding out about me sleeping around and threatened to commit suicide. He was like, I'm gonna down this pesticide. I, you know, you hurt, broke my heart, blah, blah, blah. And so this is a Jamaican back yeah, in. Yeah, okay. back up north. This is, he's threatening this. And um, I remember it was like maybe 11 o'clock at night. I called my parents and I was like, 
you know, my boyfriend <laughs> almost said his name. My <laughs> boyfriend is threatening to commit suicide. Can someone please like go over there and just make sure that everything's okay? They also called um, an amp- well, nine one one to check on him too. So my mom called me back. Was like, yeah, he's fine, and he's going to the hospital right now. I was like, okay. I felt like so much guilt from that. Like I felt like, of course, I felt like he should have known too that this young girl, much younger than me, could possibly be going off to school, having sex with a bunch of people, which is why he tried to um, propose to me, because he felt like, oh, he was like, I'll lock this down, you know? But, um, yeah. I felt so much guilt that I was like, I got to make it up to him somehow. Like, that's that's what was going on in my mind. I wasn't going to stop my behavior, because I just wasn't at that level emotionally yet, but it was like, we can get through this. This is this is what's going in, in my mind. So winter break comes and I visit him. Everything seems to be okay. He's actually trying to prove to me how much better it would be for me to just come back home and, and be with him. So <laughs> I remember going to his apartment and he, at the time, I don't know if they still do this, but some screensavers will show like the pictures that are going through your your drive or whatever. Yeah. So he's got like this slideshow pictures going. And um one of the pictures ends up being a friend of mine from school. So I was like, how the fuck do you know her? Like how do you know this? And how did you get her picture? Why is her picture on your computer? <laughs> and he's like, oh she gave it to me. Remember when I came down to visit you? I met a bunch of your friends who became friends on Facebook. She gave it to me and like I don't believe it because she and I were tight. Like, I <laughs> call it naivete or whatever, but I was just like, she wouldn't do that. I was like, I'm going to call her right now. So I called her and she was like, girl, you know, I didn't give nobody no picture of you. She was like, that guy is fucking weird. I don't know why you're with him. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and, then, and then she texts me after we hung up. She's like, by the way, I meant to tell you, um, a couple months ago, someone hacked into my computer and um, into my Facebook account, she said. And I think they might have taken some pictures or something like that. So I was like, okay. Okay, so if he hacks into your computer, he's probably the one who hacked into mine and sent pictures out to my dad. This is like, and, and then it started to like, some of those things started to unravel and I started putting two, two together. I'm like, he he works in IT, like he's an IT guy. (laughs) So needless to say, I didn't need any more like conversation with him. I didn't need anything else. I was just like, okay, he's my stalker. You know, actually it's funny, not funny, but my parents had gotten a detective to find out who was harassing me. Okay. And uh, the detective told them it was my boyfriend, but I'm like, it can't be him because We've been together this long. Why would he treat me like that? Why would he do stuff like that? So um, I was very naive. Um, I even had to switch campuses. After they found out that I was, they threatened my life, they were like, you need to go to a different campus. Um, no, that was, it's it's tough when you know that. Even this girl called me and was just like, I'm going to box cut your face. Like she was threatening me. Like there was, so basically he had his comrades you know, harass me. I don't know how or why they would do it, but it just somehow like that was his game. And so that was my first, my first real relationship was this 22 year old guy 
who turned out to be a stalker before, like when I was breaking up with him, I remember him telling me, uh, the next guy you're going to be with, he's going to beat you. Like, I never put my hands on you, at least. Like, I never treated you bad. Like, why? (laughs) The next guy is going to be abusive. And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. The next guy, oh, my gosh, the next guy I dated was a football player on the team for the school that that I was going to. And, like, we were complete opposites. He was, like, 6'3 and 250 pounds, like, a D-lineman. So he was from the country, like, Kentucky. So, like, backwoods. I, again, very much city girl. So, yeah, he was – he and I had a very tumultuous relationship. Um, He always had, like, built-up aggression, and he would just let it out on me. And I I just remember the first time we got – well, it wasn't a we situation. It was a him situation where he put his hands on me and I ended up with bruises all over my body. Um, and my, I was just in such denial. Like he had, he had me wrapped around his finger. You know what I mean? Like someone like, I feel like I'm a very strong person. So like to allow someone to do that to me now in hindsight, it's like, what the fuck was I thinking? But at the time I thought like, well, I'm a ride or die. So like, if he's going through something, I'm going to try and help him out. Like that's, and you know, he's putting his hands on me, but I can live through this. Like this, (laughs) this is like what's going on in my head. Like I had some mental, mental issues. So, um, I just remember the my friends saw saw me one time with the bruises on my face and they were like, You have to report him. I'm like, I don't want him to like get suspended off the football team. I don't want him to get hurt in any kind of way. No, I'm not gonna report it. They're like, Girl, you really need to do something. At least just write like a statement or something. So like, okay. So they call the police, um, campus police. They come to the the dorm and they put by protocol have to bring me into the station. To, um, make a statement, take pictures, and all of that. And then the same day, they arrested him. And that was what I didn't want to happen. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh shit! Now, now shit's like escalated to the point where it's like out of my control, you know. Um, so he, he gets arrested. And I just remember a lot of the football team, you know, obviously were victim shaming. They're like, oh, you're such a bitch. Like, he didn't mean it like that. You know that he's not like that. Why are you doing that? A lot of them thought I was making shit up. And like, um, you know, I I would have, I'm a performer, so I would have performances on campus and I'd get heckled by the team. Like, it was really crazy. It was really fucking crazy. So, uh, they, the campus decided to, the school decided to suspend him, um, for a year. Wait, hold on. No, they suspended him, but it definitely wasn't a year. What was it? It might have been. can't remember. And the only reason why I can't remember is because I was still seeing him. He he was thrown off of campus, and I was still seeing him, and he convinced me to uh, recant my story so that he can get back on campus and back on the football team. And because, again, I've got this, like, savior complex (laughs) – that's what I did. I was like, oh, yeah, I made it up because I was angry. I saw I saw him cheating on me and all this stuff, but it wasn't true, blah, blah, blah. Did anyone really question that you had made it up? Good question. Um, 
I feel like the energy in the room were that there are these adults and we're kids and we are going through relationship problems that weren't so severe in their mind. So it was like, and again, this is a kid that's like, he's, he's being looked at for the pros and stuff like that. So in their minds, like, Oh, how do we save both these kids? If she's saying that nothing happened, she's going to school still like, obviously there's no problem with her. So, you know, be diff- I guess it would be different if I walked in there with bruises, <laughs> bruises on my face, but that's not what happens. It's not like a couple of weeks later. So I-, I just don't feel like they treated it as severe as, you know, it would have been if I-, I was like living with him or something like that, you know? And also, like, apparently had things going for him, quote unquote. So it's there's this thing that I posted on Facebook that talks about, like, says, when a woman says, this man raped me a long time ago, we say, but that was in the past. When a girl says, this boy raped me last night, we say, but we can't wreck his future. And there she stands suspended between his past and his future. And that's basically what my situation was, except I wasn't raped. I was being physically abused, but it was like the same idea that like, it doesn't matter what I say because this guy has got, he's got a bright future. He's a good person, you know? So, um, and I remember his football coach even tried to, uh, convince me to go to, it was, it was a thing like, come on, you know, he's not that bad. Like that kind of thing. It's like, no, he's kind of bad though. <laughs> He is kind of bad. Did you so see the pictures? Like a concerted effort yes. by an entire team. Yes. And so when you think about like grown ass men out here, like that are athletes that are professional athletes and the things that they get away with, it's because they have a support system behind them that says like, it doesn't matter like what you do. It doesn't matter if you're smart because you don't have to go to class. That's another thing. It's like just, you know, that's and that's part part of the reason why I don't want to date another athlete because I feel like it does. Where's my support system? You know what I mean. When something goes wrong that you did, you know, I'm gonna be blamed for it. You know. So, but okay. So after I lied and recanted my story, he was let back on the team. He's back in class, and he and I still were together. And at this, but I, it was like the temperature. <laughs> And the room was, like, always tense. People would see me and still remind me, oh, are you going to call the cops on him? Like, well, that kind of thing. It was always, like, protecting him. And um, I, one day he did it again. Like, he, he just hit me. He was hitting on me, like, not allowing me to leave the room, which they'll call that false imprisonment. Like, if someone is trying to leave and you prevent them from leaving. And that's what he was doing. So it wasn't it was my dorm room um my dorm roommate who convinced me to, to report it again she was like listen I hear you guys screaming all the time she's like I'm scared for you and that's when I told our um what do you call it RA resident assistant and they told the police and the whole situation happened again and this time the school suspended him indefinitely so that ruined <laughs> That ruined his chance at professional football too. Like, and that's the guilt that I lived with. It was like, oh, okay, what I didn't want to happen ultimately ended up happening. Like, this guy is now has no life. The thing that he built his whole life to do, like, 
now it's gone. You know, right. and it took a long time and a very, very long summer after to like rebuild my confidence up and my esteem. He was calling me, like cussing me out, like fucking bitch, you ruined my life. <laughs> Which know? is so wild to hear. And even then you're saying that that your like the situation being reported, like that squandered his chance at professional like his actions squandered right. his chance. Like exactly. you're not a bitch. You didn't do anything here and so you're the villain. But oh, it's so yes. hard to hear. Yeah, but you know what again it comes back to that like I always thought I was like so I'm I'm a strong person. Like I I feel like I can withstand a lot of things and this is another this is probably the one thing that really, really broke me. Like I've never been like down like that I, I just remember feeling so depressed and heartbroken like that whole time but um okay so that summer the summer after all this yes that summer my dad gave me a loner phone okay and he didn't delete his stuff on the phone and I remember some of the text messages was between my dad and another woman. Okay, my parents have been married. At that time, they were married for about 20 years, 24 years, um, happily, quote unquote, right? So I'm like going through this situation with my ex, but then also I'm seeing that my dad might have had relations with another woman or an appropriate relationship. So in my head, I'm like, what do I do? Do I show my mom this? Like me and my mom were tight. You know, but me and my dad are pretty close too, you know, like, what do I do? So, so I showed my mom the text messages and, uh, she confronted my dad and he didn't deny the relations. So she obviously was very distraught over that. I think that situation definitely like put, changed my mind about men in general, like just never put them on a pedestal because, they're human, you know, they're human just like you. And so I transferred schools because after a stalker situation, after an abusive situation, I figured, ah, okay, I need something new. I need to change my life to something. It was like my, my first day on campus, I get approached by the, this guy. He's a cute looking guy, right? Very cute. But I, I wasn't there. Like, I was just like, ah, I've already been through bullshit with a couple guys now. I'm not really here for it. He finally, like, approaches me in a way that I felt like, oh, this is different. We started dating. All of a sudden, I started to hear people around me like, oh, you're dating him? Like, oh, he's this guy. Oh, this guy. And he'd always be around places. And I'd be like, how does everyone fucking know you? It turns out he was a drug dealer on campus. (laughs) That's why everybody knew his fucking name. And that's why he was so smooth. And that's why he knew persistence is key. (laughs) I fucking I fucking I was I got pregnant by him oh this I forgot to mention my first boyfriend I got pregnant by him the 22 year old I got pregnant by him when I was 16 and I terminated my pregnancy and I never told my mom about that and that's that for me is like oh it still eats at me because I know I could tell her but I just I don't want her to feel any kind of way I remember being in class and my dad was on chat and I text him, uh, I have something to tell you. And he's like, what is it? 
I said, uh, I'm pregnant. He said, click. He logged off. He logged off. Dad has left the chat. I was like, oh no. What did I do? What did I do? Five minutes later, he logs back in and he says, you got to be joking me. And I was like, I wish I was, but I'm not. And he was like, call me when we get out of class. So I did. I, I called home. And my mom, oh, again, like, I just want to be like my mom when I grow up because oh, she just was like, just an angel. My mom, she convinced me to go through with an, a termination. And I do feel like it was the best thing for me. Even if at the time I was still kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? I know for a fact, like, the way things have um, panned out for my life after, it would have never been like this. It would have never. But my boyfriend was not particularly happy about it. He became abusive after that. And very, like, disruptive to the neighborhood. And just, like, he got arrested again. I remember he vandalized my car. Um, He was, like verbally abusive he just was all kinds of wrong and um so I remember like being in class and he would come into my class and cuss me out in front of my my classmates we'd be out in the parking lot yelling and screaming at each other like we ain't got no sense like shit was just wild you know like (laughs) I don't know why I put myself I put myself through it because I knew what I was getting into with this kind of dude but I just allowed it you know uh, oh, and so then now let's get to the cream of the crop, right? I ended up meeting this guy who was just like so handsome and so charming and just like he was an actor in New York and we had such good chemistry. We met online on Plenty of Fish and it was just like, oh my God, this is what I need. Like it was a breath of fresh air meeting this guy. So I would drive back and forth from Pennsylvania to New York to see him. And it seemed like a fucking fairy tale. Every time I every time I dated this guy or went out with him, it felt like just a dream. Like I can't I can't really describe it. It just felt like a dream. Everything happened perfectly. <laughs> it was great. So I'm gonna say two months after us dating. I moved in with him. I felt like this was the guy that I could do anything with. I could tell all my secrets to. We can get through anything. We'd already been living together. So it was like we knew each other, you know, more than anybody. And he was always reliable, like the most reliable person, man, I've ever met, you know, outside of my dad, you know. I'm like, oh, he's also very corny, so I don't have to worry about him, like, trying to cheat on me with some random-ass bitch or being a player out here. He didn't really have any friends like that, so most of his time he was spending with me anyway. You know, I ended up, like, his life was consumed by mine, and it wasn't a force. It was just, like, that's just how it worked. We went on a Mediterranean cruise uh, in Europe, and he proposed to me in Nice, France, and just thought the friends, and it was so romantic, and the dream come true, 
and uh, everyone in our families were happy, except maybe his mother, because she always felt like I was too outgoing for him. So I always had things going on, and he was always following me. So she's like, uh, are you sure you guys are ready to get married? I'm like, yeah, it's been five years now. Like, we've been shacking up. Yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> I'm definitely ready. He's ready. He wants to get married. So we're going to do this. We had a two-year-long engagement. And for the whole two years we were engaged, he was, like, bouncing from job to job and, like, really depressed about it. Like, so... <sighs> Um, we got married, and he was still unemployed, and our intentions were to start a family. So my parents, who own a business together, suggested that we take over their business so that they can retire early, which to me, like, the business was taking off. So we we would have been working together. We would have been financially sound. We still had owned a house in New York, so it was like we could rent the house and live comfortably anywhere, really. And um, he, I think his depression got the most of him. He didn't want to, he didn't want to move. He didn't want to like commit to anything that was like beyond what he was like already thinking in his mind he should be doing. I didn't want to build up all this resentment that blows up on him, you know, because he's sensitive. He's more sensitive than I am. So he can't take that. <laughs> but um eventually just clicked in my mind I was like let me just start thinking about myself if I think about myself well, let's see what happens like if I stop worrying about what he's going to do let me worry about me so my boss like right before we got married put the seed in my head I want all of my employees to be out in Los Angeles. I told them, I'm, I'm going to move to L.A. I want you to come with me. I have a job out there, so we don't have to worry about money. You know, just just come. He had six months, six months to figure it out. Like, what am I going to do? Do I want to go with her? And I think he was in denial for maybe the first three months that it was even going to happen. You know, still in my mind, I'm like, he's going to come with me. He's my husband. <laughs> if, the, if the shoe was on the other foot and he was offered an opportunity to move with his company, he would expect that from me. So, you know, and also there's nothing holding him back. He doesn't have a job. We don't have kids. By February, he had already made it in his mind he wasn't going. That he felt, and this is from him, he says that he feels emasculated by the fact that I said I was going to move to L.A. with or without him. But the only way for me to get his attention was to say that. But uh, the honest truth is my husband taught me that there are good men out there. Like, even though he had a lot of shortcomings and he well, I guess we can get to this. Well, since moving out here, you know, we I, I wanted to have an open marriage. Like, I wanted to work. I still wanted to be married to him, and I still wanted us to work it out. Uh, but I knew that there would have to be a concerted effort and 
consistency as far as like our communication, how often we see each other, like that kind of thing. And I was like, schedule, like I'm going to call you when I wake up in the morning, you call me before you go to sleep at night, you know? And he just never participated in that. It was like, he, I think he just gave up. Honestly, when I, when I moved, I think he, in his mind, just gave up. Mid-May came around. He was planning on going to visit his mom instead of, instead of visiting me. And that's when I was like, okay, I think we need to talk about separation. And when I told him that, he was like, well, it sounds like you made your mind up, so we'll talk later. And that was the last time I spoke to him. My friends and my, my closest friends and family all tell me the same thing, that they feel I'm just too much for him. And that I owe it to myself to move on. And that's why this weekend I'm filing for divorce. But it's not it's not easy. Especially when I feel like, well, damn, I'm the one that wanted to keep it together. Why am I filing for divorce? That's not fair. You know, but I don't think he's going to do it. He's not going to do it. And I'm so proud of you for doing it. Like, he's not going to do it. There is so, so much more for you than the likes of him like truly you have lived a hell of a life like I didn't expect any I am like the whole time eyes wide open like and then what happened like this is fascinating this is so exciting this is why I do this like this is so vital I'm so, so thankful to you for speaking with me. Like, I'm so excited. I thank you for letting me talk about this stuff because the thing is, like, your life goes through, like, these cycles, right? And every everything that I've told you about, all the things that have happened in my relationships, I feel like they've been parts where it's, like, whoa, like, so dramatic and so, like, intense. But then the dust settles and that I'm in a better place every single time that's and and that's the lesson that I learned that's why I'm strong because I know that there's light at the end of the tunnel you get what I'm saying like even coming out here knowing that I would be without my partner like I still feel like this is the right thing to do you know I'm in a good I'm in a good space but it's just I think Again, it's just about like self-discovery and just reevaluating so I don't make the same mistakes again. Thank you again to my guest and to you, the listener. Subscribe to Afterthought on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, and connect on Instagram by following listen to A. Till next time.